Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. How many of you remember what we're talking about, what the series is on? Anybody? Scammers, scammers, hackers, and gatekeepers. You are the gatekeeper because you get to, con- you get to uh, decide what comes into your mind and what doesn't. You get to decide what you do with what comes in. The scammers and the hackers, um, I want to make sure that we understand from last week that the scammers and the hackers I'm talking about are spiritual. I used everyday examples last week so that we can understand how scammers work. Scammers at work every day, but ultimately to set up the idea that we understand that scammers, spiritual scammers and hackers, Satan is the scammer and he has a hierarchy of scammers in his little kingdom uh, that do what he wants them to do. And so we're going to understand that scammers use deception. Am I right about that? So does Satan. The enemy uses, uses deception to take people down a road that is contrary to what a loving father wants for them, our loving heavenly father. So as we dive into this today, we're going to, um, I think we're going to, I hope, discover the heart of God. I told you last week that I'm going to share some things with you that you've never heard. This may not be the one that uh, that you actually hear that on. It may be next week. But again, for some others of you, it might be the case. Easter's coming up in a couple, what, a couple weeks? Three, two, three weeks? And as we look forward to Easter, we understand that Easter is about uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Easter is about the resurrection. And then on Good Friday, we talk about the, the death of Jesus on the cross. And to fully understand and grasp what that means. I mean, uh, other than well, there was a man who lived and died and rose again. Okay, that's cool. What does all that mean? Until we understand what sin is, till we understand what uh, wickedness is, we can't fully embrace what Jesus did on the cross for us. The more we begin to understand and see the light, the more we understand what he did When you look into the Old Testament, when you look into uh, the people of God back then, God was continually warning them to not follow the gods of the nations that they were going to be around. We're going to see, and we do see, a spiral in our country, a spiraling into a place of confusion and sin in all kinds of things in this country. It's just a spiral. How do you get there? How do we get to this place of confusion? How do we get to this place where good has become evil and evil has become good? How do we get to this place? Well, I think we understand as we look back and we see the warnings of God to his people Stay away from the Canaanite gods. Stay away from the gods of the other countries. 
They will, they will lead you into places that you don't want to go. In Deuteronomy 1 place, he was talk, talking to them about Israel, and they, they became fat and sassy pretty well is what he said. And they began to follow uh, other, other gods. So let me, you may be asking, but I thought there was only one God. And now you're telling me that there may be other gods. And the reality is Isaiah 44 Write that down, you can look at it later. But Isaiah 44 says that God says, I am God and besides me there is no other. So he tells us that he is the only true God. So who are these gods that he was warning them to stay away from? These were gods, these were ultimately demons within this hierarchy of this kingdom of darkness. And these demons would move into these areas. The people would build, would build um, idols to them, and they would call them gods. So there was a spirit, a demonic spirit behind the idol, behind this god that was at work, who is not a god at all, but is a demon spirit in the hierarchy of the demons in, in pre pretty, pretty, pretty high. So we have to understand that this is a, the scammers that I'm talking about are spiritual. And they want to lead you down a path that will destroy your life. That's, that's ultimately where they want to lead you. Israel fell to the scammers. Time after time they fell to the scammers. Time after time, they gave in to the way of these scammers. And yet God always said, if you will come back to me, I will forgive you. I will cleanse your sin. I'll heal your land. But you got to come back to me. You've got to repent. Means to turn. Think differently about what you're reading or you're doing. Think differently and turn. Means I must agree with God concerning this certain subject and then turn around and not only have my mind agreeing with him, but my lifestyle agreeing with him as well. Does that make sense? Second Corinthians 11, 14, and 15 is where we're going to start. I want you to look at this. There's going to be a lot of passages today, but I think it's vitally important that we understand. We, we have to have, we have to have a, there has to be a moral authority there has to be a moral authority that leads, that directs, that sets boundaries. The moral authority that we have, the objective truth is scripture. If I don't have an objective truth, then I'm gonna go by what I feel. I'm gonna go by what I desire. I'm going to go by what I want and what my emotions are telling me to find a truth. And that's how we come up with, you've heard, you've heard it said, this is my truth. Just follow your truth. Your truth will set you free. I want to be a part of this. So this, this certain lifestyle maybe uh, a way of living that's outside, contrary to the scripture. But somebody says, but if you just walk in your truth, honey, and, and, and you'll find freedom. No. True freedom is found in his truth. Does that make sense?
So we have to have an objective truth. And when we reject that, we become subjective, which means we're all writing our own. So there's no moral authority. I become my own moral authority. I become the one that tells me what's sin and what is not sin. When that happens, then we come into a place where we are as a nation where we start to call things that are evil good and good evil. And Scripture says the time would come. Who is the scammer behind all this? Look at that passage. Let's see, I told you I was going to read Scripture. I didn't get there, did I? Uh, Paul's warning against the, these false apostles and, and teachers and people who were, were going to be um, going to be posing as preachers of the gospel and apostles, but who truly were not. And so he says, they're just following their master. Look at this. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Did anybody see that? Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. How many of you know that no scammer ever comes up on your phone and, and introduces himself and says, hello, I'm a scammer and I'm here to scam you out of your money. I just hope you will play along. Scammers don't do that. And if they did, hardly anybody would fall for it. There would be a few. There's still always a few. But for most people, if you introduce yourself as a scammer, uh, okay, we're not, we're not going there. He hides in darkness and masquerades as an angel of light. He appears as one thing when he really is another. He looks as though this, this scammer who is pretending to be somebody else communicating with you, trying to get your stuff. He's not telling you who he really is, and Satan never tells us who he really is either. Then he says, it is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what they deserve. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Okay, he uses the term God. So does that mean that there is another God? No. We already have followed Satan through Scripture. I'm, I don't have time to preach on him, but Scripture tells us we can look at Isaiah, we can look at Ezekiel, we can look in places who reveal who he is, Lucifer, who fell, and in his fall, now we know him as Satan. So we, we understand that part. He is the God of this age. So he is not a God. He is an angelic being, a demonic being, yet he calls him a God, the God of this age. So he says he is the one that is at work out here, blinding the minds of unbelievers. If you are an unbeliever, then your mind has been blinded by who? The God of this age. 1 Timothy 4.12 the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will, what's that word? Nobody know? Abandon, well, no wonder you didn't know. <laughs> some will abandon, think about that word, abandon. Abandon the faith, people who you sat with in church. Over the years, some of those will abandon that and they'll walk away. What, why? How could someone who's been in church walk away? Let, let's look and see if he tells us. 
Well, they're going to abandon the faith and they're going to follow. What are they going to follow? They're going to follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Deceiving spirits. Deception is the scammer's way. Am I right about that? So the scammer attempts to deceive you to get you to believe something that is not true. And then once you do that, he can get in and really mess, mess with your mind. Has the enemy scammed you in any way? And if he has, how would you know? How do I know if I've been scammed? Well, I have to know the truth. Right? There has to be a truth, an objective truth that I can measure by. And then, then I know if I've been deceived. Here's what I know. I've never talked to anybody that has looked at me and said, that, that's, that's gone out way out there and just saying, hey, well, you know, I've been deceived. That messes, that, that's not even, that's contrary to the word. Deception means that you've bought in to the lie. Does that make sense? Ephesians uh, uh, 610, finally be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. How many of you want to take a stand when the evil day comes? Against the devil's schemes. You want to take a stand against the devil's schemes. He gives us the tools. He tells us how. Not going to deal with all the tools right now, but they are here. You can read them. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is where we mess up. Because we forget who the real scammer is. We only see the flesh and blood that he works through at times, but we forget that the real scammer is a spiritual scammer. The real scammer is Satan, the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air. The real scammer is the enemy. The real scammer is not your wife, not your husband. It's not your children. It's not your mom and dad. The real scammer is Satan who works invisibly to destroy all of that he wants to destroy a culture he wants to destroy a society the things that happen in many of the things happening in our country um, at one time would have been considered horrible wickedness but after the age of enlightenment we all got, we all became intelligent. And so now what used to be considered wicked, because we're all more intelligent now, is no longer wicked, it's good. And we can turn anything into good. When I look into scripture, I'm looking in to teach because I love you. I don't take being an under-shepherd lightly. And in being an under-shepherd, teaching the truth of the Word of God requires two things for me. And it's the two things that Scripture says that Jesus came to bring into this world, and that is grace and truth. And it requires truth, and it requires grace. And it is so hard 
for some people, most of us, to find that place where both are, are, are at work in our life. It seems that we either go total grace where there is no truth and nothing matters, or we just go straight truth and, and it's just mean, condemning, angry, but we have to do the work. As believers, we have to do the work, which means we have to struggle with the issues, but we stand on the truth. I love you, but if your lifestyle is not truth, I can love you fully and, and completely, but I, I will never say because of this, I will accept that as a, as a permissible lifestyle in the kingdom of God. You can do both. We can be gracious while standing on the truth. Here's the subjective. But, but, but don't, don't you care about their feelings? Don't you care about their feelings? Because they feel this way. You've got to care about their feelings. I do care about their feelings. Yes, I do. The only people in this room that would say, I don't care about feelings is somebody who has never raised children. If you say, I don't care about their feelings, well, you probably never raised a kid, and, and if you did, you probably were not very good at it. You've got to care. But in the middle of caring, you lead to the truth. There is an illusion of compassion and love in this country. And that illusion says, if you really love me, anything and everything is permissible and everything is fine and everything is good. And if you don't agree with that, you don't love me. And, and I've got to say, I'm, my, my love teacher is Jesus. Right? Jesus is the one that teaches me how to love. And so if I'm going to follow his pattern of love, not, not, a, not a, a part of a church world that has become so wishy-washy they're nothing anymore. And not a part of the church world that is so condemning that nobody can even stand to walk in the door. But Jesus' love, which says, here's truth, going to stand on the truth. I love you. And I want you to follow me into the truth. Now what's that going to require? Well, Jesus said, well, you got to die. You got to die to yourself. You got to die to your own desires and wants. Because if you try to save your life, Jesus said you're going to lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. Does that make sense? So he tells us, for a struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of, dark, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. And then he says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God. So what's he talking about? It's a, it's a satanic hierarchy. It's a satanic government. It's a kingdom, or it's a government within the kingdom of darkness. 
And so you've got, you've got the, the top who is Satan and he has his rulers that are under there. And those rulers under him rule many other demons. And it comes all the way down. And that is who is trying to scam you. And the only way that you know if it's a scam is to come back to the truth. And the truth that we have in Scripture. If I am the enemy and I want to take you down, I have to convince you that the scripture has no authority, that it's not true, that it was written by a bunch of old men many years ago. I've got to go in and tell you that it's so full of contradictions that you can't trust it. If I'm the enemy, I've got to do everything I can to rip down and tear down your authority. Because if your authority disappears, then I don't have to worry about you talking to me about anything that we might disagree with. There's no authority that any of us have. And then we all become our own moral authority. There are many lifestyles that are contrary to Scripture. Now, there's only one or two that most churches want to really talk about. Let's talk about theirs so my, nobody looks at mine. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Ain't that, ain't, you see that example anywhere? Let's always point the finger over there so they're not looking at really what's going on over here. So if somebody says, Bud, is this lifestyle permissible or is this lifestyle permissible or is this lifestyle permissible? And, and in lifestyle, let's talk about sexual immorality. So tell me, where is, it, oh, where is it permissible in Scripture sexually? Now, we could go through a whole number of different things. I could take you through Scripture and we could talk about this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. But what I would rather do is make it simple for you so that you're not looking through a list of 55 items to see if the thing that you're doing is right or wrong. You tracking with me? How many of you remember we're talking about being scammed? And what I'm hoping is that the next time the enemy tempts you to go out, out, out beyond this, what I'm getting ready to tell you, that you'll realize that there's a scammer there trying to mess you up. Not a, not a God trying to take your joy by taking all the fun away. Jesus, how many of you, how many of you think we can trust him, can't we? Jesus says in Mark 10, also says it in Matthew, but I want you to look at this passage in Mark 10. But at the beginning of creation... Now, what we're talking about is sexuality. We all good? And you can tell your little ones, you can make up what that means later. Yeah, that means going to, the, that means going to get an ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. I'm going to say something, and I don't want anybody to laugh, 
okay? And I will tell you why I don't want anybody to laugh. We live in a confused world. There is a generation growing up that never heard the gospel. There's a generation growing up that never learned that Jesus is who you, who, who will come into your life and fulfill your life. They have been left to do nothing other than to try to fulfill the emptiness that, that uh, the absence of God brings with anything and everything they can fill it with. So please, do not laugh on what I'm about to say. I, I, I hear this said sometimes by preachers who, who will say it, and they say it with a smirk. I'm not doing that. I want you to understand that. But God made them male and female. Biology tells us which is which. If there's one thing there, it's male. It's something different, it's female. You have to take your mind and twist your mind in so many ways to confuse that. And only the scammer who comes in to confuse the mind of individuals can scam an individual into thinking that if they biologically have that, but they feel like they're the other, then they really are. Mm. God made them male and female. Now, look at the next one. For this reason, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Keep going. And the two will become one flesh, so they're no longer two, but one. So you ask the question, bud, what is permissible sexually? Jesus just told you. Sex between a man and a woman in marriage. That sounds so old-fashioned, doesn't it? Some of y'all sitting there saying, wow, where did he come from? And somebody else said, well, he is 60. Well, I'm not 60. There you go. You know how old-fashioned that is? It goes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. That's how old-fashioned it is. What messed that up? Can we all say the word sin? The fall of man in the garden? And what took man down roads that, that we never imagined we would go with this? Can we say that it was the gods? That the Hebrew people and others fell to? then what's the difference with us? Did we get so enlightened that we know now what's right and wrong or what should be or not? Or maybe 
the enemy has masqueraded as an angel of light, convincing us that we have been enlightened when the creator of the universe and the creator of us says, I created you in the beginning and I created you in my likeness and I created you in my image and I did it right. But the enemy has deceived. Some may say, well, I understand that, okay, you're saying that this and, you know, this sexuality thing and um, in marriage, but, okay, bud, but tell me, what could, is this sex or maybe this is not really sex? And can I do this with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? This is it's so simple. We go back to biology. Does it involve stuff? Does it involve those? Are they organs or? <laughs> I don't know. Huh? Those things? Does it, does it involve the sexual things? Yeah, but we're not going all the way. Wait a minute. Does it involve those sexual things? See, it, it, it's, it's not a matter of, oh, I want to glorify God with my body. Is it how close can I get without breaking the law? That's, that's the wrong question and answer. The wrong one. How do we get? How do we, how do we go down the slippery slope to spiraling into confusion and sin and wickedness and, and, and all the things that we see happening today, not just in America, in the world? How, how does that happen? Paul gives us an answer for that in Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of people. And some of you say, but, but I don't even like to talk about the wrath of God. That makes, that makes God sound mean. Let me explain something to you. When, when your son goes to a cross and sheds his blood on a cross and is, is, is tortured by men and then raises again, to save them from their sin and people just reject and turn away from that mm, I can kind of understand that can't you your, your death was meaningless the torture you went through was meaningless Jesus I don't need it what you went through was meaningless I don't care what you did I'm going to do what I want to do I understand now listen to this uh, that the uh, being revealed against godliness and wickedness of people. Listen, who, do you see this uh, word, who, what's that word? Suppress, right? Suppress. Suppress is to hold back. Who suppress the truth. What is the truth? We have the truth in Scripture. The book inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written we have the truth. 
who suppress the truth, who reject the word of God and its authority. So keep going. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is, it is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his, internal, his eternal power, divine nature, uh, having been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are not without excuse. It kind of goes back to the, the faith in um, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 21 for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Once you begin as the gatekeeper to allow things into your mind that we pick up out here from the scammer, once you begin to let it in, the futile things, we're on a path to having our mind darkened. Once your mind is darkened, anything goes. You appear loving and compassionate because you take a stand on nothing. But your mind has been darkened. Some people never come back from that. Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, reptiles, its idols. Therefore God gave them over, and we're gonna come back to that God gave them over in a minute. Therefore God gave them over in a sinful, uh, sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped in, and served the creator or the created things rather than the creator. Or does this sound remotely familiar to anybody? Uh, who is forever praising him in verse 26? Because of this, God gave them over. We're going to come back to that in a minute. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain God in the knowledge or the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a, I mean, again, God gave them over. See that? God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. There is a place where you start, to, you feel a little bit guilty about something, some sin, but if you keep pressing through, you can finally get past that guilt. And it's like, okay, that's better. No. That's a terribly, terribly dangerous place to be when suddenly you're able to do things that are wrong and you have no negative feeling about it. They have become filled with every wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, and malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, uh, insolent, that's just violent men, arrogant and boastful. 
They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do them these various things, but also they approve of those who practice them. What does it mean that God gave them over? There's a point that a person can reach where you continually suppress the truth and push through and do what you want to do that God says, I have tried, I have, I have been slow. Uh, I love the verse where he talks about that God's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance and that he is slow. I mean, he is long-suffering, not wanting any to perish. So it means he's very patient. And so he is continually, he's continually drawing to say, come on, guys, come on. Listen, the enemy is scamming you. Come back over here in my love. Come back over here in my truth and my grace. I love you. I've got what, I've got what you need. You know that emptiness in your life? I can feel that. Let me feel it with truth. Don't let the enemy scam you into thinking that something's going to work that's not going to work. If you play the long game, yeah, it may feel good in the moment. Yeah, it may seem like it works in the moment. But there's going to be a generation that we as a church have to be open and ready for that have been lied to their entire lives and they're making decisions right now that, that, are, that put them on the verge of destroying their life and there are parents who are making decisions for their children out of their own selfishness. They're gonna cost something one day. Who is it that's going to be there with the truth? It has to be us. But if, but if we just live our lives condemning We'll never get them. We'll never get them. We speak the truth in love, but there are some people who pass up every, every attempt of God to bring them back. And when they keep going, God said, I'm giving you up. What does that mean? I'm gonna let you do what you say you wanna do. Have at it. You keep pushing past all the things that, I've, that, that, I'm, that I'm trying to speak to you and tell you in my love and my offer of forgiveness. You keep pushing past it until the point that that person's mind no longer, the person's mind is void of any judgment of God. Does that make sense? Which means they, that, that they don't even care anymore. Don't even care anymore. And they'll laugh at you for caring and they'll laugh at you for having an objective truth to stand on. They'll laugh at you for not being like the culture or the society that we live in. When God gives them up, it's a sad, sad thing. I've seen it. People just press through and then they just don't care and they do and say some of the most vile ungodly things that you ever imagined talking about you you can watch some of the there are some singers and their actors and actresses that do stuff that that portray Jesus in some most ungodly ways and I'm thinking that is somebody's mind who is pressed all the way through and some of those people will tell you they were raised up in church 
It's sad. But they've gone the wrong direction. I could read you scripture after scripture, and I've got pages, but I'm, I'm going to stop. Except for this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, verse 3 and 5. It is not God's will that you should, or it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. He's just saying, there are some things that are not right. How do we know which ones they are? Compare them to what Jesus said in Mark 10. Are we still there? That's how you know. Rather than me going through a list of 27 different sexual things, how about I just give you the one that you can compare all others to, and if it's not that, it ain't right. What is that? Man, woman, marriage. That's it. Now let me close with this. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor at heart. I'm a she under-shepherd, but I have that heart. I love my family. That's my little sheepfold. I love you. Unless you have a pastor's heart, you, you, you probably don't understand the sleepless nights at times when you see people going astray and there's nothing you can do. But as a pastor, my heart, I love you. And I want to do everything I can to keep you from being deceived by wolves in sheep's clothing, by the scammer and their lies and their deceit. I feel for those that in this room or listen online that would say, but bud, but what about here? But this is what I feel. I struggle in this area. This is my desire. I didn't want it. I never asked for it. I really, if I could, I wish that I had this desire. But I don't. I have desires that you're telling me that don't fit within Jesus' little box. That little box is a huge box. That little box is what gives you a huge life. But you're telling me that I can't have somebody I love like you can. Do we know what a slippery slope that a country gets in when we begin to make truth subjective and it's all based on our feelings and our emotions? I hurt for you. I hurt for you. I wish I had all the answers. I don't. I wish I knew why some people have desires that, that, that can't be fulfilled it, within the bounds of an intimate relationship with the Lord. I, I wish I understood. I've done so much counseling over the years. Y you would not believe the, th 
the, the variety of things that, that people have shared with me that they feel and they feel it deeply. And many of those fall into the hetero side of things. A man married to a woman, but he says, I just, I just have these desires for other women. I can't help it. I don't know what to do with it. And how many of us say, go for it, buddy. Get you a couple more. None of us. Why? Because we know that it doesn't fit. And we know that when we go the direction that it doesn't fit, it's only going to bring heartache and destruction. We don't create our own freedom. We walk in the freedom of the truth. We walk in truth and his freedom truly sets us free. Does that make sense? I, I, I hurt for you. But because I love you, I'm not going to say, dear heart, just go for it. Just do what makes you happy. I love you. That old mean preacher, he don't love you because he don't want you to be happy. Here's what I know. There's more to life than happiness. When you've lived 60 years, there's more to life than happiness. But I do know that it doesn't matter because this thing has been around for a lot longer than 60 years. Truth matters. But, but I've, I've, got a, I've got a boyfriend who's wanting me to you know, go places I shouldn't be going. I've got a girlfriend who's wanting me to go places that I, that I shouldn't go. I mean, what should I do? The only thing I can tell you is go to Jesus who told us right here, if you'll do this, why? In 1 Corinthians, he tells us. He tells us. There are things about the sexual act that sometimes I think we fully don't understand. We just think it's all a physical thing, but what happens in our physical body affects our soul. It affects our soul as well. You don't just separate the two and pretend it doesn't happen. But that's the, that's the scam, the lie of the enemy. Ultimately, men and women, marriage is a representation. Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm about done. I know you guys are getting tired. Men and women, a man and a woman in marriage is a representation of Jesus Christ and, and his bride. We're the bride. He's the groom. That's scripture. He teaches us that. And anything that the enemy can scam us into that goes outside of that mars the beauty of the picture of wedding day. And then he says, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Honor God with it.
in the Old Testament, they would open the temple up and they allowed idols to come in, the physical, and, and they allowed all kinds of things to happen there. And, and it broke the heart of God, but yet wrath came on it. But now he's saying, you're the temple. If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit for that reason. Honor God with your bodies. And he will lead you. I love you. I don't know what you're struggling with. You may say, bud, but you've got it made. You don't have it. You don't know. You don't know my struggles. You don't know the things that I've dealt with in here over the years. You don't know. But here's what I found out. I have to come back to here. And when I mess up, there's only one thing. And that is to repent and turn. That is to say, God, you're right. I'm playing God. You're right. I've turned to an idol. You're right. I've been scammed by, by a demon. You're right. I'm trusting you and I'm going to walk with you. So today, I don't know. I don't know where you are. And I don't have all the answers for your struggles. And I don't have all the answers for what's going on inside. But I do know the answer. It's Jesus. That's the beginning. A journey and a walk with him will change your life forever. But you got to come to him. You got to come to him. Precious Holy Spirit, fall on us today. Oh God, we've sinned against you in so many ways. We've worshiped idols. We've made idols out of our own desires. Today we repent. Turn away from the lies of the enemy. We embrace your truth. We come to you, Jesus. Thank you that our sins are under the blood. We love you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.